she says that you should have before you start your own business you should have at least 12 months before you get into business for yourself and this is what i tout when i mention and teach uh business ownership and such um you should have 12 months welcome to the prince george's daily in this season we will take a look back at some of our favorite interviews we will revisit the in-depth and often surprising stories from some of our outstanding Prince Georgians. We will review concepts from education to business to the Center for Performing Arts, all in Prince George's County. And of course, every episode we will share the latest local weather and news. Hello, Prince George's County. I'm Odega. Today is January 28th, 2020. And in today's episode of the Prince George's Daily, our very own Del Roden gets in the positive impact of our Financial Empowerment Center. How is the FEC improving the quality of entrepreneurship in Prince George's County? Find out from Dell and our Prince Georgian of the day, Heath Carelock, coming up right after the weather. In today's weather, a high temperature will be around 47 degrees with our low dropping back down to right around freezing. For tomorrow, we're looking at a high in the mid 40s with the low dropping down below 30. We'll get back to the mid 40s on Thursday and there's virtually no chance of rain or snow over the next couple of days. According to the National Weather Service, our sunrise was at 717 and our sunset will be at 524 for Prince George's County. That's the weather for today, January 28th, 2020. Stay with us after Dell and our Prince Georgian of the day, Heath Carlock, will bring the news from the desk of Lillian Torres. And in today's news, Lillian talks the failed Clean Water Act, the coronavirus hitting Maryland, and a shooting in Capitol Heights. Find out more after this. Right now, though, let's hear from our Prince Georgian of the day, Heath Carlock. How long has this organization been around? Officially as the FEC at PGCC, five years. Okay, have you this always been like This is the fifth like year of a five-year deal. Oh. Uh, much like a player signs a contract, a five-year deal worth so-and-so million. Uh, we signed a five-year deal through the College's Foundation, which is the fiduciary agent uh, for grants um, at the college. And it was a five-year, half-million-dollar deal with the United Way of the National Capital Area, to whom we are very privileged to uh, uh, reflect and uh, project um, its promise and mission in the community. And they received money through the SunTrust Foundation. SunTrust, which now is transitioning because they were bought out, and BB&T uh, and SunTrust merged. So... It is now called Truist, and they will launch next year. Right, there's a lot of movement going on. Uh, I do want to talk about the fifth year of the five-year project. Is there a renewal in place? Does it just continue to? to... Much like uh, a veteran quarterback, you know, it's like, well, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes to mind. Where's my next contract going to be? But hopefully we're not moving anywhere. Um, but I think next year has kind of been uh, lightly promised, guaranteed. Yeah, so there will be uh, uh, next year. and uh, There will be an FEC at PGCC in 2020? Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're talking calendar years or academic years? Fiscal year of the college, July okay. 1 through June 30th. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a little scary then. I mean, if you don't have a contract, 
And your contract ends and I know. Okay. I know. We're still uh they're working things out because United Way is changing the model. Essentially, it goes from one lane to three lanes. It's been one lane financial services, and now it's going to be three lanes, employment services, benefit services, and financial services. So they're expanding what you do. They're expanding it to what's called the working families model, which is based out of Wisconsin and Illinois, um, where it's a one-stop shop per se for myriad services uh, so that the individual client who may be in need will get all three areas covered to be more financially stable. Okay, so I'm going to speak for the average Prince Georgian who knows absolutely nothing about the Financial Empowerment Center. What do y'all do? The Financial Empowerment Center seeks to put community members on a path to financial stability. That's all. And we do that through improved credit, increased savings, reduced debt, uh, increased use of financial products that put people on a path to wealth building and financial stability. Is this even important to places like Prince George's County? This is the richest black county in the country. Still, do we need stuff like this? Can we do, just call uncle? Do we have Title I schools? Do we have free and reduced price lunch and uh, an exceptional number of students who have to be on free and reduced price lunch? Absolutely. So uh, whether it's our public schools that re reflect our ability to have balance and equity in the society for, for folks at the lower ends and lower rungs, um, whether it's the transitioning population from who, are, who have immigrant status in some of the uh, sanctuary cities like Langley Park area, uh, you, you think of immigrants coming to Prince George's County, you think Riverdale, you think Hydesville, you think places like that. And you also have folks who, uh, who are college poor. Um, they've gone to college, they may not have even graduated, and they have debt. And what are they to do? Um, so we have a, a county that's riddled and rattled with uh, various economic challenges. In fact, in 2016, in terms of the working population, the ALICE report, which is the Asset Limited Income Constrained um, Employed Individuals, uh, said that 43% of Prince George's adults are at or below the poverty line or just above it. That's significant, Dale. Oh, yeah. Um, so... You know, we have a situation where <laughs> I'm sure the employment has improved since 2016. So I'm sure that number is a little challenged uh, coming down from 43%. But even still, we, uh, we had a county that was traumatized by the subprime mortgage crisis and uh, the, the lending situation that took place in 2007 through 2009 and into 2010 this county was disproportionately affected by that and the ramifications of that put a lot of people in uh, bankruptcy put a lot of people in the foreclosure and that stuff stays on people's record and certainly stays on people's mind they can incur new penalties during those stretches of time which can extend their loss and their challenge so we have I don't even know the numbers on that, but I 
can say assuredly that we have a, a community that has has that type of history. Right. And beyond that, uh, I mean, there are a number of positives. Uh, this isn't to, to be a wrecking ball for, for what is built up and manifest as a very progressive and strong county, but it is a place where there are real challenges. And I think if we give a cursory glance and overlook those challenges and those pockets where people are really struggling, this can be flipped upside down really quickly. What else do people like me get wrong about Prince George's County? I don't know what you get wrong yet. Well, but we assume that Prince George's County is is the the rich county. We see these huge gated communities all over the place. Uh, Bowie is a relatively wealthy um, city. It's the largest city in the in the county, but it's one of the cities in the county. And there's the um, the National Harbor, so there's there's wealth and even opulent wealth and in, in Prince George's County and, and you're telling me that recently 43% of the population was right around the, the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Very true. So that's one thing I get wrong. Well we still have like I said we still have the Title I schools. Right. We I mean you that's that's a, a clear indicator of where families are. Right. And families have to um, hold the line for those kids and so look no further than the school district. Uh, Also, look at professors here at the college. They're professors who are living paycheck to paycheck. Look no further than the government shutdown that took place. You had perfect, perfectly high earning folks making six figures in this county who missed two paychecks. All of a sudden, they're in the bread line. They're, you know, stories about this through the Financial Empowerment Center, through the Capital Area Food Bank, through the United Way, um, and on on TV, where people miss a paycheck or two, and then they're upside down. They're out of sorts. So that's still a real situation for folks here in this county that have not saved properly. Uh, In fact, uh, if you think about the 38% number um, it may even be 43% of American adults um, don't have $400 for an emergency that may right. come up. That's over a third of adults. And right. if you look at counties uh, like ours, um, then you know that that number is more strained and drawn out, where it could be 50 or 55 or 60% of adults, or even worse. Um, you, you judge these things by the number of program dollars thrown at uh, helping to be a resource to plug a gap for folks, and, the, and that exists here at the college as well. So, um, again, not to be too, too much of a, a, a bore uh, or pour cold water on this, but to be real about it. And also I learned a statistic. I've been out traveling uh, on the West Coast at these conferences lately, and one of the statistics was, what does it take to, uh, to, to live in a place to rent or to own? Oh, yeah. And so minimum wage across the country is, I think, in the $15 range. And to legitimately be comfortable in a living situation, your, your, the housing part of your budget should not be greater than 30%. 30%? Of your budget for the month 
right? So if you have a thousand dollars a month, I mean, as a as a generality, if you have a thousand dollars a month you're earning and get to take home, three hundred of that, no more than three hundred of that, should go to rent or mortgage payment. Um, now, obviously, people generally who are in living situations earn more than that, but the the idea just on a a number episode here. Right. So what am I saying? So $15 or so in minimum wage, minimum wage is not high enough to afford that housing wage. The housing wage is for one bedroom apartment, for example, is at $19 and something as a national average. Nationally, for a two bedroom uh, living situation, it's at uh, $23. Right. $15. So you can't earn minimum wage and successfully live without going into debt right. or having to call on some other money. Um, so that that's real for folks. And in Maryland, uh, it's $27.92, if I recall correctly, to, that's have a whole a two bed, to have a two bedroom to live in. You would have to earn $27.92 an hour to have that 30% mark to keep the, it at the 30% margin and to, to live securely like that make ends meet okay so i know in other countries the statistics are, are very different vastly different i think i have a, a daughter who lives in, in london mm. and I, I think it's closer to like 70 percent for housing mm. and they don't they don't go out to eat because everything goes into the, the house so that's a, a mm. different model mm-hmm. <clears throat> but she makes a little bit more than 27 dollars an hour too mm-hmm. so she's able to do everything that she needs to do there for the people here though it sounds like we're going back to the old mantra, you have to have a job and a hustle, mm. which is sort of the whole theme of this season for the podcast, that hustle, that's that side thing and making that side thing a business. I do want to talk much more about the where the status of financial Prince George's County, but we're going to have to spend hours on, on that one, and maybe we need to spend a whole week mm. just on, on, on that and really dig deep into to that part. But let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about what the Financial Empowerment Center does for people who are looking for that hustle, looking to start a business. Well, the center um, offers small business coaching, and we offer a standard program once a month called Small Business Mindset Training. It's offered by one of our advisory board members and a person who's an adjunct here at the college named Carolyn Yeager. we appreciate Carolyn for her efforts because she does a two-part series. So it's offered twice a month. Uh, so part one is offered at the early part of the month, part two, the middle or latter part of the month. And it focuses on nourishing folks who are vacillating, uh, ambivalent, sort of in between, you know, do I get in, do I not? They're between daring and uncertainty and they need a nudge They need a nudge. That's why it's mindset training. So before there's an actual business idea, there has to be a mindset for business. Right. And a belief in the motivations, the inspirations that that are at the heart of a business idea, because a business is a is a bear. It's a wrestling match. And if you're going to do it and do it well, uh, because, you know, the stats on 
70 to 90 percent of businesses fail in the first three years first five years and um if if you don't want to be a statistic um then you know you can be in that slim narrow margin of a victory where some people escape that time and then you i've owned my own business for 22 years you get people like that who clearly didn't didn't fail at least on that iteration of their business right so business is about failure. Um, business mindset is about being able to endure and having resiliency, um, being able to adapt, being able to adjust, being able to learn while you go. And uh, that's really important to someone who's a business owner, a successful business owner, to know that. We also offer um, you know, things like Franchising, how to own your own franchise, how to be a franchisee, you know, that type of thing. Uh, because we know that the threshold for the American dream, in quotes, uh, the American dream is defined by being able to start your own business, going to business for yourself, is anywhere between $25,000 and $100,000. And if you are able to save up to that mark, now, mind you, this is not talking about your retirement savings. This is not talking about your emergency fund. This is not talking about your cash flow. This is not talking about your fund to go on trips and vacation. This is a separate line of money that one is saving to have that escape velocity to launch into their own business and dream. And that index is about at 25000 hundred thousand dollars and you want to be able to invest in yourself that's that may even be a, cons uh, a, a very conservative way of looking at it um, but it may not for someone like Melinda um, Emerson who's a black business owner and author she says that you should have before you start your own business you should have at least 12 months before you get into business for yourself and this is what I tout when I mention and teach uh, business ownership and such um, you should have 12 months before you start you should have a 750 or better credit score you should have whatever salary you're coming off of even if it's $38,000 you should have that same amount saved up in the bank entirely if you're making $120,000 you should have 120000 saved up so you should have a year's worth of your most recent salary saved up. She also says that you should have uh, two years worth, basically two years worth of expected revenue um, saved up or, you know, because businesses have to have cash flow for three months out. And so why not plan to have it for a year out so that if you get in a rut with sales, if you get in a rut with marketing, if you get in a rut with some major purchase you have to make to advance your business, that you're able to still keep your business going and pay contractors, pay consultants, pay employees, um, pay marketing. And so uh, that's a really important approach. That is that's an extremely high bar. There are others who are like, six weeks to start your own business. Here's a business startup kit, blah, 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 blah. Um, I support both. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think people should be methodical about getting into business for themselves, whether that's as an independent business owner, sole proprietor, a consultant, whatever, or a franchisee. Um, in fact, 
the gentleman who came to talk about franchising was from SCORE, which is a part of the Small Business Administration project and outreach. Um, and he was fascinating with what he shared. Uh, for example, he shared that uh, franchises take care of a lot of the periphery, which a business owner uh, who owns their own business would otherwise have to use bandwidth, resources, time and effort to cover that periphery. Whereas if you're a franchise owner, you don't have to mind that. That's covered by what the, you're paying the franchise fee anyway. Right. And a lot of that stuff is handled through the franchise, the software that you're gonna use, the accounting, the this, the that. So, yeah. Well, franchise is also relatively expensive. If we look at the model, the accounts model you were talking about with all the savings and all the, um, I can't think of the word right now, but making sure that all your boxes are, are checked before you start and the franchise, which is can be up to $100,000 to start. That's a lot of money for a county where we've got people who are struggling day to day. Yes and to no. Paycheck. Yes and no. And here's why. Um, if you do take care of your credit score and if you are loan eligible in a very, a very important way, um, that means that that hundred. 50,000 to get in on the franchise. Shoot, you just have to worry about having 25 to 35,000 to put down on the loan. And that's why that threshold of the American dream is so important at that rate. Because when you start talking loans to 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 have for your business, if you have a certain amount of cash then on hand, then you can put in a down payment in that loan situation just like a house, just like anything, a car, just like whatever. And so you're going to have to have skin in the game. And the best way to do a lot of this is just strictly with cash on hand. Um, so, you know, it's not as daunting as you think if you've behaved into the situation responsibly. Hi, Prince George's County. I am Lillian Torres, and here is the latest news for today. Prince George's County Police said there was a fatal officer-involved shooting in Temple Hills, Maryland, Monday evening. Police said at 8 p.m. they received a 911 call for the report of a male driver who had struck multiple cars. Continuing down Sign Barnabas Road and ending at Winston Street, officers said they located the driver and believed him to be under the influence after smelling what they thought was PCP coming from his car. Police said the driver was handcuffed and buckled in the front seat of a police cruiser that had arrived on the scene. One officer got into the driver's seat with the suspect still handcuffed in the front seat, according to a PG police spokesperson. Two independent witnesses told investigators that they heard or saw a struggle in the front seat and heard loud bangs. Police said the suspect was struck several times by the officer's duty weapon. Officers attempted life-saving measures on the suspect before he was transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead, according to the police. The officer who fired a weapon was placed on administrative leave. The incident was not caught on body camera as the officer was not wearing one. A conservation group says it's preparing to sue the Environmental Protection Agency for failing to enforce the Clean Water Act 
relating to pollution limits for the Chesapeake Bay. The Chesapeake Bay Foundation announced Monday that it is preparing a notice of intent to sue the EPA. Because the agency has failed to take action for what the foundation is describing as an inadequate pollution reduction plan from Pennsylvania, Foundation President Will Baker says failing to hold Pennsylvania accountable undermines progress made in recent years to fight pollution in the nation's largest estuary. The new strain of coronavirus continues to spread beyond the center of the outbreak in Wuhan, China, with five confirmed cases in the U.S. For that reason, many universities in the DMV are closely watching both their students studying abroad and those on campus. George Mason University confirmed late Monday that one of its students was being tested by the CDC for coronavirus. In a letter to students, the university confirmed that the individual in Northern Virginia is a Mason student, does not reside on campus, and is self-isolating while laboratory testing results are processed. At the University of Maryland, they're cleaning campus buildings, shuttle buses, and residence halls more frequently, according to a campus advisory. For the Prince George's Daily, I am Lillian Torres. This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. The producers of the Prince George's Daily Podcast are Heavenly B, Maude Desai, David Smalls, Joshua Boykin, Brian Green, and Chandra Durham, and is executively produced by Dale Roten. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on businesses in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily.